Hey, if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Philippians chapter three. That's the first scripture we'll reference. Lots of God's word in the message today as we continue in our discipleship track series. And this is week three of our discipleship track series and just so thankful for what God is already doing. And here's the pattern is that every week I'm writing a new chapter of our Revive to Life discipleship track. And every week I'm going to bring that chapter through a sermon that I preach on Sunday mornings. But then we also want to encourage you that the content is available to you to read the chapter yourself and that we believe that that content is best experienced in the context of small groups. And so it's not too late to jump into a small group, a women's group or a men's group or a couple's group. There's groups for young adults. There's no pressure, just no obligation, just an invitation. It's been life-changing for me to gather with men as I just committed to do that the last uh, four or five years. And it's been one of the most amazing things uh, in my personal life, not as a pastor, but as a disciple to commit uh, weekly to gather with other guys, to pray with one another, to read God's word, to be present in one another's lives. And so I just want to welcome you to do the same. But again, no pressure, no obligation, just an invitation. And again, that content, we're emailing it out every Friday. We're sending it out via a church-wide email. If you're not receiving that email and you would like to, just reach out to the church so we make sure we have your most up-to-date email address. They also have set it up where you can opt in. We're not texting everyone every week because we know you get a lot of things coming across your phone. But if you would like to receive a weekly text that just gives, for convenience sake, a link to that week's content, you can use the text feature, text RevCity, all one word, to 94,000, and, and just follow the prompts to opt in to the weekly text so that that would just be pushed into your uh, life through your phone every Friday afternoon. So uh, let's pray before we get into God's word this morning. And, uh, just so excited to see what God has already been doing. These first few messages I felt like were really key to lay deep foundations in our lives. And in week one, we talked about the call to discipleship, that God's called us beyond just believing in God to, to following Christ, that there's a life of making a difference. There's a life of, of serving the Lord. There's a life of living in a relationship with God that transcends church attendance or participation. Nothing wrong with that. What we do in this place together matters a great deal to God and to the purposes of God for our lives. But we talked about moving the bar. We talked about kind of shifting the goalposts. We talked about moving the target for what it means for us to be uh, believers, for what it means for us to be Christians. And then in week two, we talked about the father heart of God, that there are many roles, legitimate things that God is in our lives. He's creator, he's master, he's ruler, he's savior. But he's all those things. We, we dug into God's word, how every one of those places, those descriptions, those functions that God serves in our life is motivated by his heart as a father. He's first a father and he wants to know you as his child and he wants to have a relationship with you. And he's not just a first a father, he's a good father. And this week, I'm gonna talk to you about a, a, a foundational issue that I believe is equally important as it regards our ability to really enjoy and experience the life of faith that Jesus has made possible for you through the cross, his death and burial and risen life. And that is your identity in Christ, your identity in Christ. Let's pray and get into God's word. Father, I just thank you for um, every person that's here today, every marriage that's represented today, God, every family that's represented, every young person that's here in this room and everyone joining us online. And Lord, we welcome you, we invite you. Would you speak to us today, God? Lord, we're here to do more than sing a few good songs, have a, have a, a message, Lord. We're, we're here to do more than have church. We wanna encounter you. We wanna hear from your heart as a father towards us. 
And so we say, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening, Lord. We wanna hear what is on your heart for us. I lift up every individual. There are unique circumstances. There are some unique opportunities, maybe some unique obstacles that every person is up against, God. I don't know what they all are, but you do. He knows, he sees, he cares. Everything that you're going through, everything that you're up against, and everything that he's invited you to begin to pursue in your life of faith. And Lord, I pray that today, anything that has existed as an obstacle or a barrier or a hindrance to every person living that out, God, the lies of the enemy, the deceptions of the enemy, patterns of sin, stronghold, strongholds, God, whatever it is, Lord, we just thank you that today, Lord, that you're here in this place to speak a better word, Lord. You're here in this place to bring freedom, to bring hope, to bring healing, God, to bring comfort, God, but to also bring strength and courage and faith for the future that every one of us has in Christ Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you in advance for what you're gonna do today, Lord. Use an imperfect person and an imperfect message, Lord, to deliver and, and, and communicate to us the heart of a perfect father today in Jesus' mighty name. And come on, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. So this week's topic is critically important to your life of faith. And failing to know and embrace the truth of God in this area can cause for you to walk in diminished levels of the peace, the joy, the security, the faith, the confidence, and the significance that God has created you to live in in your relationship with Christ Jesus. You know, before we move to uh, Kansas, and we love it here, it's been eight years uh, now time flies, right? And before we moved here for three years, we lived in a beautiful town called Brownsville, Texas. It's as far south as you can go in the state of Texas, right there on the border with Matamoros, Mexico, right there where the Rio Grande River meets the Gulf of Mexico at South Padre Island. We love living there. One of, lots of amazing things about the culture and, and, and just uh, things we appreciated and enjoyed there. It was a real unique experience for us as a family to live there in that culture. Uh, but one of the things that was part of the experience of life there was that the frequent need to travel through border checkpoints, especially if we, as we would travel back to see family that lived further north in Texas, you could expect to, to come across a border checkpoint where brave men and women were doing their part to just make sure that the, that the safety of the people and the vehicles with inspections and things and the cargo that was being brought um, internationally into the United States. They were just there serving to just make sure that everything was above board. And so you could expect to, to run into these border checkpoints. And the Lord spoke to me about it one time. As I just realized as we were sitting in that line and the lights were flashing, indicating that everyone will need to stop or pull over to the side there and just submit to a very brief inspection. It was brief if you were up, if you, so long as you were not up to, to no good. Did I say that right? That's a double. You were, it was brief so long as you weren't doing something bad you weren't supposed to do. And, and I remember sitting there thinking, wow, I, I would imagine if you were in one of the vehicles in that line and you were up to no good or you were not a citizen of this country that you might be very anxious, very fearful, very concerned about this interaction that was about to happen. And I never experienced any of those things. I was never fearful. I was never anxious. I was never worrisome. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, it's because you are confident in your identity as a citizen of this nation. And he spoke to me and said, how much more should you be confident in your life as you pass through the checkpoints of life, as you pass through those moments where you're crossing over from one season into another, as you're moving out to start or advance to one of the journeys of your life, how much more do I desire for you to have confidence in your life because of you, because of the confidence and security you have, because you know that your identity is secure in me? Because did you know, if, we, if, if this is relatable with, uh, with temporal earthly citizenship, the Bible says very clearly in Philippians 3 verse 20, you are a citizen of heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven. 
You're an ambassador for Christ. Jesus said in John 17, he said, you are in this world, but you are not of this world. Your identity, who you are, who you really are, not who you think you are, not what you do for a living, not, not, not the title that they gave you at work. How many of us fall into that trap? Hey, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm this, I do this. And it's like, that's what you do, but that's not who you are. Your identity is not tied up in the systems or the structures or the cares of this world. But that's, that's the truth of God's word. But here's the unfortunate reality. Many of us wrestle with, we struggle with the labels or the expectations that are placed upon us by others or sometimes even ourselves. Good and bad, right? Some of, some of the labels that, that are put on us because of maybe a real mistake that we made and the enemy comes and he tries to label you or brand you because of something you really did. I'm telling you, you might've done the thing, but you are not the thing. And, and, and the Bible's very clear. Your identity is not wrapped up in the cares or the systems of this world. So there's a battle that's being waged over this truth, over this reality. Many of us can relate to this battle, the struggle, where the enemy is always coming to introduce lies and deceptions about who we are. But the word of God is very clear about who you are in Christ. And the battle over, the, over identity is fought in your mind. The tagline for this chapter, for this message today is this, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And the scripture that supports that subtitle is this, Proverbs 23, seven, which says this in the New King James translation, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So who do you think you are is about what is your mindset? What are you meditating on? What are you, what have you grabbed a hold of? What labels, what identities are you most closely relating to? What are you drawing your inspiration, your personal sense of significance from? I looked it up last year. According to a website called identitytheft.com, there were 1.4 million cases of identity theft resulting in $5.8 billion in losses. Every 22 seconds, there was a new case of identity theft reported to the Federal Trade Commission. And so there's this, there's this phenomenon that's relatively new, and here's, what, here's what's causing it, is that unscrupulous people, these thieves, have realized that it's more lucrative, it's, 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 it's more lucrative to steal the potential that is, in, is tied up within someone than to steal what is upon them. In other words, let me put it, put it more clearly. If you, if, you wanna, if you wanna rob me on my way out to my vehicle today after church, after second service concludes, or actually after new members lunch is over this afternoon, there's a little amount that I might have in my wallet that I'm carrying with me. But if you are able to, to get my access to my identity, there are lines of credit, there are, uh, there are accounts and things that you could gain access to that are far more valuable than what I carry upon me. And the same is true with the enemy of your soul. He understands if he can hide hijack your identity, if he can create confusion in your identity, if he can introduce a, a subtle lie or deception to cause you to see yourself differently than the way that God sees you through the Lord Jesus Christ, he can hinder the joy and the significance and the fulfillment that God intends for you to experience in your life of faith. I remember uh, back in, this would have been the year 2000, um, I had, I was, what, 22 years old at that time. And I'd moved to West Central Texas to support a new church that was being planted out of the really awesome church that I 
kind of took for granted to have grown up in, in Amarillo, Texas, in the Texas Panhandle. I had moved there, relocated, and I had got, I'd taken a job to support myself as I was just volunteering every chance that I could to volunteer at the, at the church there. I'm, I'm pretty sure I played a guitar and sang into a mic that were muted for nine consecutive months while I was learning how to play the guitar and learning how to sing. And I, I would just, anything that they would let me do, I was there to do it. And oftentimes I would have to drive through the night to make it back home for Sunday morning services because I worked for a cattle company that managed cattle sales. And we would go and manage these big sales where, where ranchers would consign cattle to these sales. And, and so one morning um, after we had um, conducted a sale and I was back in the office that morning, I sat down at my desk there. It's the year 2000, right? And I turned on the big giant desktop computer there, you know, and I'd lo- I would log into AOL and wait for the dial-up internet to connect me to AOL, where I would be greeted by the welcoming assurance, you've got mail, right? You remember that? Anyone remember that? And if if you're over 35, you can hear this story, right? The dial-up internet sound and that tone of that voice and and telling you that you have mail. And I remember one morning I arrived at the office, I I fired up the computer, I I checked into AOL there, and I I was going through emails, and I came across an email I could tell was just, that's different, that's unique, and I opened it up, and it was from a government official in an African country who was looking because of, the, um, because of the chaos that was going on in his home nation, his family, which was also a very wealthy cattle ranching family there in the nation, in the African nation where they resided, they were looking to transfer a multi-million dollar amount of their family's net worth to purchase ranching assets in the United States of America. And they had found us on AOL. <laughs> And, and in the ranching business in the year 2000, in the year 2000, very few people were on the internet yet, but there were even fewer farmers and ranchers on the internet at that time. Just imagine that, right? But I was a young guy and I was kind of, I was uh, probably more aware of technology then than I am now, right? And, uh, and so I had built a web listing for our company and he said, we found, that, we found your web listing. We would like to work with you to purchase the properties and to also purchase the cattle, several thousand head of cattle that we wanna put on these ranching properties. And so we went back and forth communicating. We had even started sending listings to them and, and we, we kind of just began to have a sneaking suspicion that something wasn't right. We, went, we looked into it contacted some government entities and they looked into it on our behalf and, and, and come to find out it was a fraud. We were, we were about to be duped. And I'm just telling you, at the moment in which we would have provided our bank account information to receive the multi-million dollar transfer, you know what would have happened. There was no transfer on the way. Everything that we had built, everything that we had gained, everything that we had accrued, everything that we had on deposit, everything that we had access to, to uh, obtain through our lines of credit, probably all of it was in jeopardy of being stolen from us, right? So then a a few months later, I've got to admit that I I was guilty of falling for another one. There's a point here. I'm I'm driving towards something for you. Yeah. Here's the the point. I'll give you the, the moral of the story, and then I'll tell you the second story. The moral of the story is this. The enemy of your soul will use strategic ways to come against you. There are some things that he's not even trying in your life. There are some things that, some, some different vices and things that he's not even tried. There are some lies that he knows you're just not gonna believe. But in every one of your lives, every one of our lives, there are areas of vulnerability. There are places where we're more likely to receive or believe a lie or deception about ourselves. Again, because of just maybe the way we were raised, because of how we see ourselves, because of a real mistake that we made. So here's the second story. Just a few months later, once again, I fired up the dial-up internet, I signed into AOL, and I went through my business emails, and then I came across an email 
from a girl in Europe who had found me on AOL. And here's her story. I'm moving to the United States to start a new life. And I've got everything lined up, but I need someone to help me to arrange the shipping for my dog. And because I, I, I have to ship him ahead, he cannot come with me on the flight that I've ha- uh, had arranged. And she said, and I need someone to provide me with a, an address to receive the animal. And because of the regulations going along with the shipping, international shipment of an animal, the, the a payment information has to match the shipping address. So I, I, would you provide a shipping address and would you help me with the payment of this? And I will come and I will pay you back when I arrive in the United States. So here, you gotta remember, remember I said it's, it's 2000, I'm 22, I'm, I'm two years away from meeting my beautiful wife, Amity, and I am single and ready to mingle, all right? And so I'm thinking, maybe this is the Lord's plan for my life. I've been praying for a wife for a few years, right? Come on, some of you that are single and ready to mingle or can't even relate to kind of the tension. Even right now, even though we, you know that this would be fraudulent, even though you know 23 years later that this is probably a scheme, you can understand or relate to the emotions that go along with reading something like this. And so I thought, man, I, I, maybe I can help this girl. And I, I knew that not only was I helping a girl escape probably a, a country where there weren't as many opportunities, and not only was I helping this daughter to come and, and discover the wide open spaces of the great American West, but I was probably also going to have the opportunity to meet this young lady when she came to gather up her dog, right? And so I, I, I was, I, I just kind of, I came to my senses, or maybe you might say I chickened out and I didn't follow through with it. But here's the thing, I, I know that looking back in hindsight, I know that I avoided hassle, headache, and heartache And here's the point, the enemy is always gonna look for a strategic way to come and try to steal your identity. There's a lot, I mean, think about both of those things. I remember being devastated when we found out that there really weren't going to be, was not going to be a multi-million dollar transaction that we really were not going to. I'd, I'd already begun spending some of my commission in my mind. And I'd already gotten kind of swept up into the prestige of being involved in these ranch transactions and everything that that entailed. And I remember being so disappointed. And here, here, so the enemy will use strategic ways to come against you to try to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Generally, I like to share more about Jesus than the enemy. Generally, I like to share more about the promises of God than the problems that we face in this life. But the Apostle Paul wrote something to the church at Corinth that I think is fascinating. He says in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter two, he says, in order that Satan might not outwit us. And here's how he says it, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Here's what's packed up in that scripture. The Apostle Paul had obviously taken time to instruct the believers in the early New Testament church about the schemes of the enemy to come against their life of faith. He says right there, we are not unaware of his scheme. So again, I generally like to, I don't like to give Satan much credence in my messages, but there's something to beginning to learn about the patterns and the schemes that the enemy is going to use and put on repeat in your life to try to gain access to your identity and all that that symbolically means. Everything that God, the potential, the future, the life, the calling, the significance, the peace, the joy, and the purpose that's tied up in your identity. First Peter 5 shows us more. Again, remember, we're talking about being aware that this is a battle that we're going to have to face. Being aware that how we, how we see ourselves as a man thinks in his heart, so it becomes there's a battle over your identity. And First Peter 5, rather, verse 8, shows us one of the strategies of the enemy. Here's what it says. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I've never been on an African safari, 
but I've watched one on TV. <laughs> here's what I know as, you, as you've watched National Geographic or whatever, here's what you learn is that lions are very opportunistic and strategic hunters. They're opportunistic and they're strategic. Despite the fact that they're one of the most powerful animals in the jungle, they're very opportunistic, they're very strategic. They will lie in waiting for just the right moment. And here's the other thing that you can realize if you watch this, they'll oftentimes go after someone, a, a, a prey that is young or immature, wounded or hurting, or has been cut off or isolated from the herd. And the spiritual connotations in our lives of faith are pretty obvious right there, right? And so we've got to make a commitment to say, Lord, I'm going to grow in my spiritual maturity so I can begin to discern the, the will of God for my life and resist the schemes of the enemy for my life. Lord, if there are areas where I'm hurt or wounded or fragile in my life, I'm going to, I'm going to be mindful that I need to present those things, real problems, real pain, real sin, real issues in your presence so that I can be healed and no longer be as susceptible to the lion who's roaring around looking for someone who he may devour. I'm not gonna allow myself to become isolated. I'm going to remain committed to fellowship with other Christian believers in the house of God, in small groups. That's why we do these things. So not only is he strategic and opportunistic when he comes against you to try to steal your identity, to try to create doubt or deception about who you are and what's possible for your life, but he's subtle. He's subtle. Um, how many of you saw the really, really, really dark and ungodly, demonic, evil uh, performance that was at the Grammys this year. Anyone see that going around? Anyone see that? And, you know, I watched it and I thought, man, this, this really is darkness. And I, 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 I thought, this is evil. But you know what else I thought? I thought, God is really patient. God is really patient as he looks down and sees some of the ways that we're mocking God and even celebrating. I mean, if you, if you missed it, don't even bother going to look it up. It's just full-throated worship of Satan and darkness and demonic and bondage, all the symbolism and, and imagery and everything, just nothing subtle about it, right? And, 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 and here's what I thought also, is that it would be nice if that's how Satan showed up in your life. In a red, glossy suit with horns and a pitchfork, and how do you know that's not how he shows up in your life? He's subtle. The Bible even says he shows up like an angel of light sometimes. It's hard to even discern. Is this, is this good or is this evil? Because your emotions get caught up into something. Come on, remember back to my story. The, all the things kind of like, gosh, he looked, he found us. We are a ranching company. We do cattle sales and land sales. He found us on the internet. Hey, they're looking. I mean, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. And there's this allure to the, to the things of the enemy. There's this allure oftentimes to what's on the other side of stepping into sin, right? So he's, he's strategic, he's opportunistic, and he's oftentimes subtle. Watch what Genesis 3 verse 1 tells us about the enemy who's again trying to hijack your identity. It says the serpent was more crafty. If you're reading a different translation, it might say cunning than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? And this is the number one strategy of the enemy that remains today. He comes in to try to question what God has spoken over your life. He comes in to try to question what the Bible says about what Christ made possible for you. He came, comes in to question, can you really be forgiven after what you did? He came, comes in to question, can God really use you if he knows what you've done or what you're thinking or what you're even up to today. The, the enemy is constantly looking to question. He's strategic, he's opportunistic, he's opportunistic, he's subtle, but he's not creative. The only place where the Bible gives him any, any credence to being creative is when it says this, he's the father of 
lies. The only place where there's a creative nature is lies. He's good at lying. He can create and come up with, he's the father of lies. There's a creative nature even to his lies. He's studying you and he's looking for the way to introduce a lie that will cause you to give up or to give back some of the identity that Jesus purchased with the blood, the shed blood that he gave on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. And here's, here's the thing, is that the answer to this is the word of God, right? The word of God. And, and you know, there's this saying, what you don't know can't hurt you, but what you don't know can hurt you. The Bible says, Hosea 4, or verse 6, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people perish, my people are destroyed, another translation says, for lack of knowledge. And unfortunately today, the job of the enemy has gotten easier. It's gotten more simple because there are fewer and fewer believers who are well-versed, who have read, studied, digested, and are speaking and declaring and meditating daily upon what the word of God has to say about you. Pastor T, what do you mean? I'm gonna have to start reading my Bible. I'm gonna have to start studying my Bible. I'm gonna have to start speaking out the word of God. No, you don't have to do it, but you, you can risk continuing being beat up by the enemy, continuing to give up and forsake some of the things that God has invited you to live out in your life of faith. Or you can get serious about saying, I am going to begin to know the word of God in such a way that I can employ the same strategy that Jesus employed when after 40 days he was, he, he was led away by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And you remember the enemy tempted him at three different times. Jesus' Jesus's response to the enemy was this, it is written. The Bible has a lot to say about who you are in Christ. What, sorry for so many personal stories here, but we go back to when Amity and I, a few years later after I had successfully avoided the, those two disasters, you know? I just hope that girl eventually made it to America and got her dog here too, by the way. <laughs> a few years later, I met my beautiful wife and courted her and become married to her. And I was a youth and worship pastor. I had volunteered for many years in the church there. And one of the young men who had been a pastor there went, signed a record deal, actually went off to go pursue his music career. And it just created an opportunity for me to step into a, an occupational role in ministry there as I had just been faithfully serving behind the scenes. So I'm a youth and worship pastor and we're married and, and we're living there in Abilene, Texas. And Amity took a job as a bank teller for American State Bank. And I remember one day she came home and we were just kind of chatting about our day and she was telling me about that day that she had come across counterfeit bills as she was managing a cash deposit. And, she, and here's what she shared. She said, as I was going through this cash deposit, I came across something that I just knew didn't feel right. And she said, for the last few months, I've been dealing so much with the real authentic thing that when I came across something that was not authentic, I quickly realized it. I thought, wow, that's powerful. And you know what? Come to find out, even Federal Reserve agents, you know the way they train, train those who are responsible for apprehending and investigating counterfeit fraudulent money is they have them spend time with the real thing. When you've spent time with the real thing, when you've taken a hold of God's word and you know what's real, what's true from the heart of God about you, about your future, about your life, about your past, completely forgiven, completely healed, completely restored, when the enemy comes into your life and introduces a counterfeit deception, a lie, and an attempt to hijack your identity and your future of faith, we must become so familiar with God's word, we quickly recognize that is not an authentic, true uh, statement about who I am because of who Christ is. The Bible has a lot to say 
about who you are. Unfortunately, some of us are more aware of the labels that the world has put on us or we've put upon ourselves than what the Bible has to say. If you've been a part of this church for any time at all, you've probably heard me read this list. I've added a few things to it. And, and there, there's, this is a partial list of what the Bible has to say about who you are in Christ, all right? And, and so you gotta go and you gotta dig into this for yourself. And, and, and honestly, I, I, I put this list together just kind of out of my spirit because of years and years and years of having read the word of God and, and, and committed to be in moments like these where the word of God was being taught and being delivered and being preached. I was grabbing a hold of it. It was getting in my spirit. It was getting into my heart. And so here's the list that, that I wanna speak over you today. Would you allow these words to penetrate who you are. This, these, these are the authentic. There are counterfeit things that the enemy has spoken over you. These are the real things. There's worth to what I'm about to read over you. And it's a partial list of what the Bible has to say about you. You're a child of God created in his image. You're the first and not the last, the head and not the tail. You are chosen and you are loved. In fact, the Bible says you are his dearly beloved, the apple of his eye. You are completely forgiven, washed clean and made new. Your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who always gives you the victory. You are blessed when you're coming and you're blessed when you're going. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. He no longer calls you a servant but a friend. As you trust and obey God, everything the Bible says that you put your hands to shall prosper. You're an ambassador of the highest kingdom. You represent the king of all kings. You're a co-heir with Christ, made part of the royal family of God. You are sealed with the spirit. You are called by his name. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. You are God's treasure. You are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece, the Bible says, and you are the prized possession of all of his creation. You are a chosen generation. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood unto God. You've been raised to life with Christ and seated in heavenly places. You will rule and reign with him. You've been given the mind of Christ. You're the salt and light of this world. And in Christ, you have, according to God's word, every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are an overcomer. You are victorious. In fact, so victorious, you are more than a conqueror. And nothing, yes, nothing, no sin, no fear, no darkness, no person, no demon, no sickness, not even death itself can separate you from the love of God that you have in Christ Jesus. Come on, if you're thankful for that list, give the Lord some praise. That is who you are. That's the truth. That's the truth about who you are. One reason that humility is so important in the life of a believer is because of all the power and the promises and the significance that God intends for you to apprehend and discover and begin to walk in, experience, and enjoy. We gotta be humble because we're all those things and a bag of chips. <laughs> it's the truth. It's one of the ways the enemy even comes against us with this kind of false, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner and not by grace. You're all these things and even more. Blessed are the meek, Matthew chapter five says. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Well, Pastor T, all that, I just gotta be meek. 
Yeah, yeah, you do. But do you know there's something, um, there's something powerful if you unpack, if you take a closer look at the original language within that scripture. Blessed are the meek. That word that we translate meek is actually from the Greek word praus. It's a military equestrian term. And here's what it spoke of originally before Jesus borrowed it, before the writers borrowed it, and Jesus used it. Blessed are the meek. Jesus would have been speaking in Aramaic, but when they captured it and they wrote down, when they translated it, the heart of what Jesus was speaking in Aramaic could only be captured by this word. And here's what praus means. Again, a military equestrian word. It means wild stallions tamed to become war horses. Wild stallions tamed to become war horses. That's the Greek word there, praus. So there's, there's, there's strength, there's, there's purpose, there's power, there's potential that is invested in you through Jesus Christ. And he says, when you blessed are the meek, blessed are those who say, I see everything. I'm more aware in increasing ways of everything that God has made possible for me to be and become and to do in my life of faith. But I'm taking all of that and I'm completely surrendered and submitted to the will of the master. God, have your way. I won't take these things and build my own kingdom or build my own agenda. Wild stallions brought into the purposes of the master. Lord, would you help us be, help us be your version of meek. The culture around us, waves of confusion, especially in identity. I mean, come on, you can see it more clearly than ever on full display. So many precious people, they're precious people. Walking in confusion in the area of their identity, it's, a, it's the enemy's outright attempt to stand against what God has ordained and established in people's lives. And they don't need a church that's a mealy mouse. They need a church that's praus. They need a church that is meek, but we understand we're humble, but we are also bold. We operate in compassion for hurting people who are far from God, but for the grace of God go I. But we also need a people who are while compassionate, while moved with compassion, just like Jesus was. We are willing to take a stand and have conviction about the truth of what God's word has to say about people and the courage to share it with them. There's a lot that God's word has to say about your identity. What, in what places has the enemy lied about who you are? In what places has he come in an opportunistic, strategic, stealthy, crafty, cunning, or even inventive ways, creative ways to introduce a lie into your life? Yeah, but Pastor T, I really did the thing. Yeah, we're... Sin abounded, grace abounds much more. Pastor T, I'm really struggling with the thing. Yep, in your weakness is the opportunity for him to be made strong, for his glory and his grace to be put on full display through your life. Yeah, but Pastor T, I'm telling you, there's not one thing that you could say or present to me, a real problem, a real struggle, a real addiction, a real bondage, a real doubt, a real fear, a real problem, that there's not an answer to be found in the word of God. The question is, who do you think you are? Have you believed more? Is your, is your identity being formed and fashioned and shaped more 
by your previous experiences, your win, your successes and your failures, by the things that the world has spoken over you, tried to brand you with or label you by, or by the standards of what the world says you've got to strive for to be viewed as a success in our culture. What, what's forming? Who do you think you are? And the invitation of God in this season is for you to take a hold of what the word of God has to say about you and to begin to meditate upon it, to begin to thank God for it, to begin to declare it over your life, to begin to speak it over your spouse. And come on, if, you, if you've missed the mark in that, I've missed the mark in that in, in certain seasons of my life. If you missed the mark in it on that, today's the day. Today's the opportunity to say, man, God spoke something to me today. I'm grabbing a hold of it. I'm grabbing a hold of it. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna begin to, to live it out. What's it look like for you to go and live this out? And here's the, the thing I wanna close with right here. You cannot do it in your own strength. All those things that you are, all those things that, that, that I am right there, it's amazing how quickly I can begin to look anything but that if I allow myself to drift from my relationship with Christ. And, and living that out, it's all true, it's all true, but you're gonna, you're gonna discover that life, you're gonna protect that life by recommitting or dedicating yourself to a daily personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing, right? Did, did you notice something right there? It's a little bit semantical, but it's, again, sometimes there are profound shifts and subtle ways of looking at something differently. Faith comes by hearing. It does not say faith comes from what you have already heard. By hearing, real time, daily, hearing, hearing, hearing. God, what's your word have to say about me every day? All the things that I have, all the opportunities, all the obstacles, some of them I know, some of them I'm yet to come up against. What does your word have to say? What's the daily bread for me today to feed my spirit so that when that moment comes, I can stand, I can say, no devil, not today, Satan. It is written. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It is written. My God is with me. My God's for me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And as you're standing, just continue to keep your heart postured to hear from the Lord what he wants to speak over you today, what he wants to introduce or reintroduce, remind you of or reveal to you today in your life. And right there where you are, I just wanna um, declare, I wanna partner with the Holy Spirit today and I wanna ask you to open your heart. Maybe right there where you are, you're aware of a deception, you're aware of a lie, you're aware of a counterfeit that's been introduced into your life. And maybe there's been a kind of an absence of really, really knowing the, the, the fullness of the truth of God over that area of your heart or your mind or your life or your purpose or your destiny. And I wanna ask you right now, if the Lord's just reminding you, just ask him, Lord, would you show me if there's anything that I've allowed to, to label me that is anything or in any way, even if it's a subtle way, different or not associated with the fullness of what you have declared and spoken over me, who I really am, the authentic words of, of life over me. And right now, if that's you, just, just begin to just thank the Lord. And now I'm gonna partner with the Holy Spirit. I just wanna break every lie, every deception, every word curse that has been spoken, that has been thought, that has been embraced, that has been meditated upon, that has kept you up at night or that has held you back in life. I wanna break it right now in the mighty name of Jesus, not because of the fervency of my voice. The Bible does talk about a fervent, effective prayer accomplishes much. 
but it's not just because of the, the fervency of my voice. It's because of the power of the name in which the, this is being declared and prayed. The name of Jesus over your life right now. The name of Jesus over your life. In the mighty name of Jesus over your life. Every lie, every deception, everything that, that falls short, everything that is, is, is not part of what God declares and speaks over your heart, over your mind, over your life, over your past, your present, and your future. We break it off right now in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that this would be a season where the people of God would begin to, in a new way, understand what is at stake. And we would begin to, uh, to realize in increasing ways in our culture, the enemy is coming after people. He's coming after this next generation in the area of their identity. We've got to know who we are in Christ. We've got to grab a hold of it. We've got to begin to meditate upon it. We've got to begin to speak it and declare it over ourselves, over our spouse, over our children, over people in our lives. Lord, we commit to do it today, God. Grace us to do it today, God. Help Help us to make time, make space, Lord, for what really matters, knowing, being found in your word and beginning to know in new ways and deep ways, Lord, what you have to say about us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that every one of these precious people, Lord, in this room, myself included, Lord, there's an incredible identity that has been paid for. It was, it was paid for with the high price of the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't allow some cheap counterfeit lie to steal what God paid a high price to accomplish and deliver into your life. Commit to fiercely defend it. Commit to fiercely defend it today. And as you stay in that posture of receiving, I wanna give people the opportunity to come home to Jesus. I wanna give people the opportunity to receive forgiveness today. And maybe all those things that were spoken over you, it seems far away from you because right now you just, all you're familiar with is the, the weight of sin and guilt and shame and the condemnation the enemy uses to keep us beat up and held back from experiencing a relationship with God and running a race of faith. And if that's you today, you need to understand you don't get good to get God. It's a free gift. You receive it right now. While we were still sinners, the Bible says, that's when Christ died for us. And right now is your moment. You might be weighed down with stuff, but right now is your moment to, to say yes. You're, it's, it's, a, it's so simple, it's so powerful because Jesus paid such a high price to make it that way. It's not about our own righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so if that's you, or maybe you've drifted from God, you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. You've drifted from God. You once knew God, loved God, served God, but you've just drifted. You're just far from him today, but today... The, the heart of God is to, for you to come back home into a relationship with him and his arms are wide open towards you. So if that's you today, you need to be forgiven. You need to come back home right now. Would you just lift your hand? Just say, that's me. I need forgiveness. That's me. I need to come home back into the arms of my heavenly father, back into my father's house. In this room and online, I think it would be powerfully important for both groups to take a moment, if that's you, to take a moment to maybe pull over to the side of the road or stand up from your office chair, your couch, if you're joining us online and just lift your hand high towards heaven. You're not responding. None of you are responding to a preacher. You're responding to your heavenly father. And Lord, we just thank you for these precious people, many precious people coming home to God, being forgiven, being made new, a new creation. Your identity is no longer tied to your past or your pain, your identity. The Bible says that you are a new creation. All the old things have passed away. The new has come into your life. There's a new identity. You are a new person. There's a version of yourself that only God has seen that you are about to begin to discover. 
as you begin to live out and grow in your life as a disciple. If you raised your hand in this room and online, you could lower it. Let's, let's, here's what we're gonna do. We're, let's pray this prayer with these precious people, some amazing people who came home to Christ today. Come on, let's repeat this after me. Let's say this to support them and also just remind us that we never graduate from grace, right? Come on, let's pray this boldly. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say this part loudly, I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Come on, put your hands together with all of heaven. The heaven's rejoicing. Heaven's rejoicing right now. Man, grab, would you grab a hold of everything that God has to say about who you are? And just watch how as you do it, all the lies and the deceptions of the enemy are gonna begin to be overtaken and overcome by the power of God's love for you. Hey, we love you. Let's worship one more time together. And then uh, they'll come and dismiss you. God bless you. We're praying for you. We love you. Have a great week.